Thank you. That was beautiful. I think we should just take up the offering and go home. <laughs> hey, what, what's the amens on that? I can't. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, this morning, uh, I have a little bit of a curveball for you. We, we have a passage of Scripture that's printed in your bulletin, and I have a sermon title that's printed, and that's where I intended to go with today's message and today's service, uh, but uh, that's not what we're going to do today. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn to the, the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 31. Uh, for those of you that do not have a Bible with you, don't worry, we're going to have the passage of Scripture up here on the screen very good. Okay. So today our, our scripture passage is going to be Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. A very famous passage of scripture if you've been raised in the Presbyterian church for a while. Uh, and the, the title of tonight, today's message is going to be titled, New and Improved. New and Improved. So uh, we, will, we will address Simeon and Anna later on, maybe next year. Uh, but today we're going we're gonna to be in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. So hear the word of the Lord this morning. The prophet Jeremiah writes, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they, they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may your Holy Spirit come this morning. Inhabit this house of worship. Inhabit our hearts this morning. Prepare our hearts to receive your word. Prepare our minds to comprehend. We pray that we would leave here changed, converted, conformed more to your image and likeness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Diary of a Dog. 8 o'clock a.m., a walk in the yard. Oh boy, my favorite. 8.30 a.m., dog food. Oh boy, my favorite. 9 o'clock a.m., a car ride. Oh boy, my favorite. 9.30 a.m., a date with my groomer. Oh boy, my favorite. 11.30 a.m., a car ride home. Oh, boy, my favorite. Noon, more dog food. Oh, boy, my favorite. 
1 o'clock p.m., nap time. Oh, boy, my favorite. 3.30 p.m., the kids are home. Oh, boy, my favorite. 4 o'clock p.m., I walk around the block with the kids. Oh, boy, my favorite. 5.05 p.m., dad's home. Oh, boy, my favorite. The diary of a dog. Now, here is the diary of a cat. Day 752, my captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangling objects. They dine lavishly on fresh meat while I'm forced to eat dry cereal. The only thing that keeps me going is the hope of escape and the mild satisfaction I get from ruining the occasional piece of furniture. Day 762. Today, my attempt to kill my captors by weaving around their feet while they were walking almost succeeded. I must try this at the top of the stairs. In an attempt to disgust and repulse these vile oppressors, I once again induce myself to vomit on their favorite chair. Next time, I must try this on their bed. Dogs and cats are just different, aren't they? I mean, even if you have a dog and a cat living under the same roof, under the same master, they're just different. A dog is grateful. A dog is happy. A dog is cheerful. A dog is just consumed with this overwhelming desire to please its master. And my apologies to the cat lovers among us. And then there's a cat living under the same roof, under the same master's house. And the cat is hostile at times. Cold. Distant. Confused. Convinced that somehow that the master is not there to be served, but the master is there to serve them. Dogs and cats are just different, even if they have the same master. Whether we realize it or not, every person in this room has the same master. And everyone that's not gathered in a house of worship this morning, not because they're sick, but just because their hearts are not walking with God, they too have the same master. See, we can take down the Christmas decorations. We can quit singing the Christmas carols. But here's the reality. That little baby that was born in a manger 2,000 years ago is the king of kings. He is the master. Of everyone who walks this earth, Jesus is their master. And just like there's a difference between a dog and a cat, there is a stark contrast between those who are truly walking with the Lord and those who are not. If I may say this, those that are walking with the Lord are more like a dog. 
Everything that the Lord asks of them, they say, oh boy, my favorite. And for those that are not walking with the Lord, it's like day 7062. I'm held captive by my oppressor. And you know what's sadder than that reality? Is the fact that there are some people that are like that even within the church. We can have individuals within a church home that come to the same house of worship, quote unquote, living under the same roof, and yet the attitude of their hearts can be starkly contrasted. There are those that are some like a cat that think that God exists to serve them and to please them and to answer their whims. And then there are those that are truly regenerate, that understand that they exist to glorify God and to serve him. And so I want to submit to you this morning that what we need is to understand That a heart that's truly changed by God is different. It's as different as night and day, the difference between a cat and a dog towards its master. Friends, I know we're heading towards a new year, and a lot of us are going to be wanting to have a new year, a new us. I'm wanting to shave about 10 or 15 pounds if I can because I, I was introduced to strawberry pizza pie this Christmas. How many of you are familiar with that? Okay, I ate one in four days. Yeah, it was good. Jennifer will never see a bite of it. <laughs> but this morning I want us to investigate what a true, where true change occurs is in God by a heart that's been regenerated by him. And so this morning I want us to a look at Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 through 34 with this eye taking a look at what are the results of a changed heart what are the results of a heart that's been truly changed by God the first result of a changed heart is this we recognize who we love there we go we recognize who we love look at verse 32 God says to them that as he highlights the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, God highlights for them one of the significant differences of the new covenant, that they're going to recognize who they love. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. What is God talking about in this passage? He's highlighting the exodus. Okay, And he's reminding them of who he is and what he's done for them in his actions. Okay, Love is an action verb. And the way that God has demonstrated and proven his love to his people throughout all of redemptive history is by what God has done for his people. And so the New Testament, the most significant redemptive historical event that occurs is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you compare that, that with the Old Testament, the most significant redemptive historical event that occurs in the Old Testament is the Exodus. When God's people were in slavery in Egypt to Pharaoh and God rescues them and redeems them from slavery and bondage in Egypt to Pharaoh. And as soon as God brings them out of Pharaoh's grip, God 
takes his people to Mount Sinai and he gives them what? The Ten Commandments. But no sooner than, even before Moses gets down off of the mountain to bring the Ten Commandments to God's people, what has happened? God's people have rejected the God that has rescued them. And they have bowed before a golden calf they have made. What is God telling them? I'm making a new covenant with you. And this time I want you to recognize who it is that loves you. I want you to recognize who it is that has redeemed you. The same God who brought you out of slavery and bondage in Egypt will send his son, his only begotten son, Jesus. And he will rescue you from the grip of Satan, sin, and death through Jesus Christ. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection and ascension. So what's the difference of a changed heart, a heart that's truly been changed by God, we recognize who we love. Who we love is God. That at the end of the day, we seek to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why? Because we know that he's our creator and he is our redeemer. Friends, do you recognize who God is? Do you recognize what he's done for you in Christ and through Christ? A heart that's truly been changed by God recognizes who they love. So here's the problem with what Satan teases us with. He teases us with all the externals of religion. about what we need to do to look the part, what we need to do to look like a Christian, what we need to do to look like we're walking with the Lord. But Christianity's not about the externals. The heart of the matter is a matter of heart. And do you know who you love, who made you, and who's redeemed you? On Christmas Day, there was an explosion in Nashville, and I've been praying for those... those first responders and praying for those that are investigating uh, that explosion. It reminded me of my uncle who lived in Nashville for, for a number of years. He worked at the Gibson Guitar Factory for a number of years, and yeah, he also plays music, and he would visit uh, music stores there in the Nashville area. And one time, my uncle was visiting a, a music store, and he walked in. He heard this guy just kind of tearing up a Fender Telecaster, and he looked over, and he thought, that guy kind of looks familiar. And so my uncle went up to the, to the owner of the store. He said, that guy looks familiar. Do I know him? And the guy said, I don't know if you know him, but you know about him. And uh, my uncle said, well, who is he? He said, it's Brad Paisley. He was like, oh, oh okay. Didn't expect to see Brad Paisley in a guitar store today. Well, so Brad Paisley was playing a guitar and, and near the window. And suddenly some, some passersby walked by and they recognized it. Who that was, and it was Brad Paisley, and they just stopped and you know watched him play the guitar, and they were waving at him. And Brad Paisley walks up to the guitar, the guitar owner, uh, the store owner of the guitar uh, store, and he hands the guitar to the owner. He says, "I'm going to buy this guitar. I'll be back in a second. 
And my uncle said he, he literally watched Brad Paisley hand this guitar to, a, to the store owner, and it was a high-priced item, let's say. And Brad Paisley walked out of the store, greeted all the people outside the store, posed for pictures, signed autographs. What a beautiful picture of what God offers us in Christ. That in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, we have God come down to be with us. And in Christ, we get to recognize who God is. I wonder... If Jesus was to walk into a church on a Sunday morning and to sit down among us to worship, would we recognize him? A heart that's truly changed by God recognizes who God is. To quote the Apostle Paul, I want to know Christ. To quote the Apostle Paul, he says, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, the Apostle Paul recognized in the, two, in the new covenant to know Christ is to love Christ. See, friends, getting, coming here to worship Jesus on Sunday is not just something you have to do. It should be something we want to do. Because we love him. That's the first result of a changed heart is we recognize who we love. And secondly, we recognize how we love, how we love him. Verse 33 says this, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Obviously, the contrast here between the law of God being written on the tablets of stone that were external is contrasted with the fact that the law of God now will be written within our hearts, that it will be internal to us. So how do we love God? Because he, he etches his law upon our hearts. It's as if he inserts it within our chest. I don't know how many of you have a uh, pacemaker or defibrillator inserted into your chest, into your, your body. In a similar way, that is what God has done with us in the new covenant, that he's inserted his law within our hearts so that when we get out of step or out of beat with the law of God, the Holy Spirit should check the heartbeat of our lives so that when we get out of step and get out of beat with him, the Holy Spirit convicts us to say, oh, wait a second. That's not in tune with the Lord. That's not in step with him. And so it gut checks us. It gets us back on track with him. 
And one of the results of a changed heart, a heart that's been changed by God, is we recognize how to love the Lord. Is that we want to get this word that he's communicated to us deep within us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. He says, if you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. You'll desire to please me. Is that how you are towards Jesus today? Do you long to please him? And when you read his word, do you say, oh boy, my favorite. Several years ago, there was a Gatorade commercial that really caught my attention. Uh, mainly because it was, it first caught my attention because it was black and white and black and gray images on the screen. And so I remember, I never forget seeing uh, that that commercial the first time I saw it because I was concerned that my flat screen had just broken. <laughs> I remember thinking, well, this is not good. Um, I thought the color, I'd lost the color. But as I watched the commercial, these, these black and gray and black and white images of, of athletes running on the track or running on the football field and being tackled suddenly began to have some sort of substance leaking out of them in a neon color. For example, you could have a young girl that was running on the track and suddenly neon green began oozing out of her pores. And I thought, well, that's a little bit disgusting. And then you would have a, a, a football player that would juke and jive and, and miss a tackler and suddenly his skin would begin to ooze orange, neon orange substance. It would go so forth and so on. You'd have a, a baseball player that was, that was at the bat and you would see him pers perspiring down his forehead and it might be a, a purple color oozing out of his forehead. And then at the end, the tagline was this, Gatorade. Is it in you? What a beautiful picture of what the new covenant asks. God's law. Is it in you? Jesus? Is he in you? That's the second result of a heart that's truly been changed by God. As only do you know about Jesus, but that you know Jesus and his spirit lives within you. The heart of the matter, friends, is a matter of the heart. And this year, if you want a new year and a new you, it begins with your relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Why would you want to do that? That brings us to the last result of a changed heart, a heart changed by God, which is why we love him. Why we love him. Look at verse 34. God says, And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Why should we 
love him? What's the third result of a heart that's truly been changed by God? We recognize why we love him. Not only that he's our creator, but that he is our redeemer. That he offers us a radical source of forgiveness that is unlike anything you've ever seen in your life. Here's what I've learned about good southern folks. We will forgive, but I ain't going to forget. Right? God says, I forgive you. I will cast your sins into the depths of the sea. You can hear the water splash. What does he say? I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. How many of you grew up when we used to use the old green chalkboard in the classroom? Remember those good old days? Yeah. And you would, you would, your teacher would write the chalk a message on the chalkboard and then she would erase it. But then there would still be a little bit of a remnant of the chalk on the chalkboard, wouldn't it? And the best thing to do, the best thing you could ever do in elementary school was on Friday when your teacher would let you leave class, be able to go down to the bathroom, get a bucket of water, and come back with a sponge. And what did you get to do? You get to work for her, right? We like celebrated slave labor in school those days. It was a great day. And we loved the fact that we got to be the one that would take the sponge to the old green chalkboard and we would erase all of the chalky stains from the chalkboard. And as it dried, what did we notice? That you couldn't even see an, an etch of anything that had ever been written upon that chalkboard. That week. Even if Tanner had his name written with five checks, it was gone. Why do we love God? Because that's what He does with our hearts. He erases the chalk stains of our sin from history. He deletes the moments of disobedience from his hard drive. And he remembers them no more. That's why we love him. I'll never forget when Jennifer and I moved to Asheville, North Carolina. We were renting an apartment. And... Um, I'll never forget signing the lease, that, that year-long lease, and the, the manager of the apartment complex was very adamant about the fact that that was not our home. It was just a dwelling. <laughs> and then he said, so you need to go in there and you need to inspect the place and anything that's kind of off, you need to let us know so we won't charge you when you leave. And so we walked into the apartment that we were renting and literally, as soon as you stepped past the foyer, there was this huge rusted stain in the carpet. Don't know how it got there, but we noticed it. So we immediately called management and said, hey, can you send one of the maintenance guys over? He was going to note all the things wrong with the apartment. And so he came in, and we were paying, uh, this is about, 14 years ago, I, we were paying more for rent then than we are in our mortgage now. Maybe a little bit too much information, but it was a high-priced uh, apartment, even for that time. And so he walks in, the maintenance guy walks in, and he sees this huge rusted stain on the carpet. And he says, yep, sure enough, that's a stain. 
and walked out the door. <laughs> Jennifer, I'll never forget Jennifer looking at me going like, are they not going to do anything about it? No, they never did. They never did. Praise God, that is not how God reacts to the sin stains in our lives. It isn't that God just acknowledges it and then walks away. He deals with it. And friends, there are some of us this morning that we have rusted sin stains upon the the carpet of our minds and our conscience. And Satan constantly comes to you and he pokes at you and he aggravates you about that stain in your life. And he says, remember when. Friends, I have good news for you today. That what Christ offers to you is not just acknowledging that that sin stain was there. But he comes to remove it. The scriptures say this, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And that's one of the results of a changed heart. We know why we love our Lord. Because he takes the carpet of our conscience and he rips it up. And he lays it down new, changed by him. If we were to see a journal of your walk with Christ this morning... Which would it resemble? Would it resemble the cat? Or would it resemble the dog? Do you feel held captive by the Lord? A bit of rebelliousness welling up within you? Or is your heart marinated in gratitude this morning because you know who has saved you you know how he saved you and therefore you know why every time you think about him and every time you read something in his word you smile and you say oh boy my favorite Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son who was born for thy people to deliver. He was born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. And your gracious kingdom to bring. We ask today that by thy own eternal spirit rule in our hearts alone. That by thine all sufficient merit. You will someday raise us. To your glorious throne. Change our hearts today. So that they beat for you. Because your spirit lives within us. 
You've changed the taste buds of our heart so that we long to please you. We long to obey you. Because you are our creator and our redeemer. You are our covenant maker and our covenant keeper. The greatest proof of that fact is the fact that you sent your son who was born of a woman, lived the perfect life we could never live so that he might die the death that we deserved. And he came back to life so that we might live forever with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.